time for Bump and Run, the podcast all about golf. Here are your hosts, Bob and Jamie. And welcome to another edition of Bump and Run. We have to apologize. We've been a little lax uh, in getting these podcasts out, but we've been so busy. I have been traveling You're all over uh, the place. for some more, some more of those uh, beautiful Asante commercials that we've been doing. And you've been moonlighting on the Rubber Boots podcast. That's right. I made another appearance on the Rubber Boots podcast. It was fun. And the Going, and the going for Broke podcast. Yes, I did. I'm, I'm, like the, I'm like King Podcast, but you've done all of those podcasts as well. Yes, that's true, but uh, but not in one like you did them in like back to back almost. Yeah, right? it was pretty. Yeah, but it was pretty. Uh, there was a lot of them. Yeah. And you might be the only the only the second person as to be a guest on uh, for the. You might be the first person to be a guest for the second time on the Rubber Boots podcast. That's true. I might anyway. be. Yeah, it's true. It's fun though. I am run. I am run. And I'm bump. And we are here to talk a little golf, and uh, I guess right now the uh, talk about golf in the golf world is not so much about what's happening on the course. But to our good friend, uh, Mr. Tiger Woods, who has um, run into some troubles, and uh, I think it's like, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard, I don't know how, do you, how you classify what's no. going on. There's still, still some more, in, lots of information that needs to come out. Mm-hmm. It's disappointing, obviously. Um, it's a bit sad. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just another situation where we're now focusing on the off-course uh, stuff of Tiger Woods rather than the on-course. Right. I, I, I think it's my my initial reaction was more of sadness than anything. Um, and now... Were you, let me let me ask you, the, just before you get into yours, were you actually surprised when it all happened, though? First, surprised, and then... Yeah, surprised? I was surprised. Um, you know, I think when you see that mugshot come up on your Twitter feed, or well, I believe I saw it on Twitter first, um, it was... It was surprising, and then it, it's like, oh no, not again, Tiger. And right, you know, then now that stuff has come out, and it's good that he wasn't drinking. Um, I think um, kind of lessens it a little bit, although it doesn't excuse him. He made a stupid mistake. Although, you know, I guess it depends what what else comes out about the prescription drugs and how they mix together and everything. But. Uh, you know, the one thing that surprised me the most about this whole thing is how open and honest Tiger was. That never happens. You know, he had true. He sent out, he got in front of it and said, I didn't take alcohol, which was corroborated. I was, I had an unfortunate reaction to his drug, to some prescription drugs, which seems to be the case. Um, I guess we'll wait and see what happens with the urine test. But he was even cooperative with the police. So, you know, he didn't, he did not take a breathalyzer. He did not succumb to a year say no to a urine test so um you know it's just another it's just another unfortunate aspect of tiger's off the course life that you know it just proves that he needs to needs golf more than anything right i think so too i think he needs to be back on the course get into some kind of lifestyle that he's familiar with and that's something that he's just not right now obviously i mean he's he's doing different stuff off the course that he hasn't done for most of his life and I mean, some of that's good. He's, he's spending time with his kids and everything. But you can't get behind the wheel of a car no. when you're in that kind of shape. And whether it was accidental or whether this is something that is uh, uh, more of a problem for Tiger, we don't know. And you can't. It's hard to speculate. Right. So at this point, we'll just give him the benefit of the doubt and say, hopefully, it's just a, an unfortunate incident. Um, but um, either way, it's very dangerous. And uh, and I just hope that uh, that this all kind of gets straightened away. And you know, maybe maybe by the time he gets back on the course, which I don't think will be until either late very late this year or perhaps next year that uh, at least some he's made some healing out of the whole deal right and you know I I just think 
you know, it's a stupid mistake. But, you know, he ain't the first athlete to have a DUI, and he won't be the last. He's not the first athlete not, to cheat on his wife, and he won't be the last. Um, he's not not even the first, like, world-class athlete. Right. Like, you can look down the list and see, like, you know, Michael Phelps, yep. DUI, Carl Lewis, DUI. So, I mean, there's a lot's going on. Yeah, it, it, it happens, and these guys, you know, of anybody, they should be the ones saying, well, I don't need to drive because I could just pay for a cab, 20 bucks, I make 20 million. Um, don't you think it's the other way? On the other side, though, it's also a situation where you have people who are so big and so powerful mm-hmm. that they just feel I don't th- not that they can get away with it, but that they it, it's just something I can I can do this I can get to where I need to go. Yeah, well, it's it and, and that's the I think that's his whole mindset. Now, you know, he, he obviously alcohol wasn't involved, but he clearly at some point thought he could drive, and that's what you know we've probably all been there. So not a bar. Oh yeah, yeah, I can only. It's only ten minutes. I can go, and then you either right. get in the car or you may or you don't. You know, it seems like most athletes say, "No, I'll just get there," and then. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I shouldn't say most athletes. Say some athletes or people in that position, generally, it seems, are on that side. But you know, I just think, I just think it's another sad indication of where Tiger's at in his off the course life, which really has never been seems to have never been solid no i agree with you 100 percent. all right uh there's enough coverage out there that people can uh certainly catch up on it let's move uh now to last weekend i all props to kevin kisner because he played really well uh but i think uh interesting to me anyway was uh, the play of the, the two guys who came after him in terms of jordan spieth and john rom and starting with jordan spieth uh he he broke up with his putter. They had a rough breakup. Apparently, they were uh, not talking for quite a while. <laughs> and um, and and then and then on a Sunday, Jordan took her out again. Went out on a date, 36 holes of golf. Fell in love with his putter, his old putter that he's used since he's about been about 16 years old. And and now it seems to be working again, and everything seems happy, and the happy couple is one is one again. That's so nice. I go on a date for 36 holes with Jordan Spieth too, so can't be all bad yeah. for the putter, but. You know, he was, It's. it seems like his short game is getting more consistent. Would you agree? I think so. Yeah, I just... I think so. The one, you know, as we look ahead to the tournaments he's going to be playing, especially the U.S. Open, at Aaron Hills, where if you saw Wesley Bryan on Twitter, the the uh, rough seems thick in, in areas. And, you know, I don't think I'm concerned for Jordan's short game anymore because I think we've seen enough. Um, he's had enough decent putting uh, tournaments in a row despite the missed cuts that I think he'll be fine in that aspect. He's he's one of the best putters in the world and he'll figure that out. What he needs, I think, going forward, what he needs to figure out is the driver. Um, you know, Colonial is a tight course. Um, it's not an easy driving course, but it's not a long course either. Uh, but I don't know I don't know how many drivers he hit. Right, I'm I don't, sure it wasn't as many as he'll need to hit of the US Exactly, because it's going to be about 8,000 yards. But right. off the tee, he was around 45%, I believe. Like, he was below 50% for the tournament. And I, if I were him, that's what I would be focusing on as I lead up to uh, the U.S. Open because if he's going to hit hit it that poorly off the tee, I, I, you know, we don't know what Aaron Hills looks like, but it's a wide-open course with a lot of rough. Um, yeah. And, I think it's, and, and, it's going to be a problem for him. And when you see what he did under pressure on the 18th hole at Colonial mm-hmm. with that wide right tee shot, and that's kind of been the miss he's yeah. had. 
and they're a pressure situation where, he, I mean, he all props, he, he rallied for a par, but when you need to put it, absolutely need to put it in the fairway, and he doesn't, that's that's kind of a sign that you're right, that, that things are off. Uh, John Rahm becomes the third youngest, or third fastest guy, I think, uh, youngest guy to get into the top third fastest, 10 in the world I think ranking. he's third fastest, fifth youngest. Yeah, third, third fastest. A year ago, this guy wasn't even a golf pro. <laughs> a year ago, he, hard was, to believe. he was T3 at the NCAAs that have just happened for yeah. Arizona Isn't that State, amazing? and now he's number nine in the world. It's unreal. And uh, and he missed the putt on the last hole to get into a playoff. He said he just looked up. It's a silly mistake. He pulled it. Um, but I love watching this guy. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a great, big, powerful guy, but he, he's he got all the emotions, like uh, some of the Spaniards who've gone mm-hmm. before him, like Sergio and, and uh, Seve. Uh, but he's just—he's a guy. I mean, I can't believe how well he's played. I saw a stat that made me just shudder. At 49% of his rounds, at the end of it, he's inside the top 10 in the, on the leaderboard this year. That's ridiculous. That's Absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. And he's right up there with Dustin Johnson as far as you know times in the top 10 and everything. Uh, and his average finish is actually better. He's actually better than Dustin Johnson, who's won three times. Right. Um, That's it. It's, it's incredible! It's incredible. Like it's, he, he just doesn't slow down, right? No, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of real like cons- consistent weaknesses to his mm-hmm. game. Like he's not always a bad putter or always a bad driver. I mean, he just seems to get it done right through the bag, which is exciting. Right, and he's got so much. You know, the power that he has. You know, some of the lines he was taking off the tee on Sunday. Yeah. You just you look and you go, that's just a different game. You know, he's. He can play. He can play on the on the with the length as uh, Dustin Johnson, as Rory McIlroy, Bubba, and all those big hitters. Like, and then he's got the putting touch to back it up. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. He's not going away. Uh, I would uh, suspect okay. number one in the world at some point in his career. Yeah, you'd have to think so. The way if he, if he keeps playing like he mm-hmm. is now. Uh, now, speaking of top tens. Do you know the number eight ranked golfer in the world? I actually, <laughs> I, do, I actually do. It's um, Alex Norris. A lot of you will be surprised. They would be You're surprised. Right. It's it's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is amazing. You know, and nobody, no, I don't think a lot of people in North America know who Alex Norris is. He doesn't come over here often. Uh, plays mostly in Europe, but of official World Golf Ranking tournaments wins, so wins of tournaments that have official World Golf Ranking points, he's got five in the last year. And that's more than Dustin Johnson, and it's yep. the same as Hideki Matsuyama. Like it, that's it's crazy. It's really crazy to see because he had that hot stretch at the end of the summer, early fall on the Euro Tour last year, and yes, he's got another two wins this year. So, yep. and what he did at at a, at a you know you would you know you've talked to Keith Pelley a lot. This is a flagship event for the Euro Tour. This is their big event. This is their own. This is their kind of players' championship. Right. And to shoot 10 under and set a course record and come back 62. and win 62. Like. That's, it's, it's unbelievable. If you watch this guy play, I had a chance to watch him at the players. He hits it. He's got that sound when it comes off the club face that's very different. And, you know, his putter is his weakest club in the bag. But the, from tee to green, it's he's really, really, really fun to watch. If people get a chance to see him either on television or on in person at one of the tournaments coming up, I would take that chance because he's he's going to be uh, he he's another guy who could be even better than than uh, number eight in the rankings right. right now. Yeah, like the way he's going, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty diverse top ten that we have. Um, it's n- not used to having the 
as much diversity in the top ten as far as countries. Um, only two Americans, a couple of Swedes, a couple of Aussies, a couple of Spaniards. Uh, it's pretty cool, and, and you know, it's he's just one of those guys. I look to the British that I think he would, he would probably do the best at, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so, too, yeah. And at Brookdale this year. Um, mm-hmm. But wow, like, what a performance. What, there were actually really great performances all last week because we, we should briefly mention Bernard Langer, who passed Jack Nicholas for the most majors in uh, Champions Tour history with nine. And Shunshun Fang wins on the LPGA that's Tour. That's her seventh win. Um, only her second in the U.S. Interesting. Yeah, which, she's one of the a lot, most, majority of them are major, right. which isn't a big surprise, I guess. Right. But again, like another one, like she's just ultra consistent this year in her finishes. Yep. And Bernard Longer at nearly 60. It's just <laughs> crazy. killing it out there. Like it, it's it, it really is crazy. And you know, it, you know, I know he kind of gets a he he didn't go away from the belly putter or the long putter, but uh, it's amazing. He, it really hasn't affected him too much, right? No. Um, and uh, we should throw props out to uh, the folks down the road, just in your neighborhood. Coming right. up next week is the Manulife LPGA Classic, the last Manulife LPGA Classic. Manulife is bowing out with its sponsorship after this year. Uh, and, and I'm hearing some rumors that there's a few people interested yep. in picking up the title. But uh, it'll be the return of Brooke Henderson to Canada. She's never played well in the events on home soil. No. That's one thing she's just never really done all that good. I think it's. I think she's still getting used to coming back home and all the expectation that comes along with that. Um, be interesting to see how she plays this week because... The next time she'll be in Canada, will be in basically her hometown, um, in Ottawa. So that'll be crazy. Um, I mean, this is almost a home game for her anyway. She gets a lot of local right. folks that come down from the Ottawa area to Cambridge to watch. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of players to watch this year with uh, with Lexi showing up. Yep. Um, uh, and then there are you, Stacey Lewis, Stacey Lewis, Tanagard, Suzanne Patterson. Uh, you know, it's one thing the the LPGA girls they usually they come out to a lot of tournaments, and um, the ones in Canada, like we've been to both of them, um, yep. they're really well attended. Some of the best on tour, and I yeah. hope they find a sponsor for Manulife. Um, when I was at the media day there, I was talking to one of the one of the people involved, and they said there are about ten companies that they're talking to, and that's great. You know, not all of them are going to want to do title sponsor because that comes a lot with a lot of investment, but I think within that structure of companies, hopefully they can find somebody to take title sponsorship because it is such a good event. The course is uh, the course is really good. Uh, Whistle Bear is really good golf course. Um, you know, if I was if I was running that tournament, you know what I would do? I would go to the Ottawa area and say, "Hey, listen, um, Ottawa, we'll, we'll we'll put this event permanently here in Ottawa, right? And you'll have Brooke here every year, and I mean that." I, I thought that might attract some some sponsorship, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah, what it'll happens. be it'll um, be interesting to see what they do, and hopefully they do keep that second event in Canada because who knows with CP's sponsorship, right? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, we don't know the future of that. Um, with um, the let's before we leave, we're gonna uh, we're gonna in, uh, treat you to an interview I did with uh, Brad Fritch um, just after the Senators lost <laughs> in the playoffs. Poor guy. And Brad is, uh, was we got to know Brad really well because he was our analyst at the Masters this year. And we've always liked Brad anyway. He's a very smart guy, as you'll hear in this interview. Uh, he, but he is a huge Senators fan. But he's also talking about um, his 
what he's going to do playing-wise because it's tough to try and get in. He kind of explains how it works and why he doesn't get into a lot of tournaments. Mm-hmm. He's actually this week playing in the Web.com tournament because it's in his hometown in Raleigh. Or not his hometown, but his adopted hometown, I guess, in Raleigh. And then next week he'll be back on the PGA Tour, and he has a bit of a run here, he says. So, um, But it's uh, it's a really interesting guy, interview, and if you don't know Brad, you'll, you'll learn a lot about him. Yeah, and hopefully... You know, if he can get some consistent starts, he'll get some consistently better finishes and make his way up that FedEx list because it's not easy. He's um, he's behind the eight ball on that because he hasn't played that much. Um, right. So he's done well when he's played. He hasn't put four rounds together, right. but he's made a lot of cuts yep. this year. And you know, hopefully he can you know a couple good finishes here, and you can just jump right up the FedEx standings. Um, and if you get again, you get the consistent consistency in your play. You know, when you play more tournaments, and it's not easy. You know, everybody thinks you just get your card um, when you graduate yep. from the web.com tour, but you just, you don't. It's, uh, you know, Mac Hughes won to really solidify his year. Um, you know, getting getting those early finishes and and winning frees him up completely, or else he may be in the same situation as Brad. Exactly, exactly. All right, uh, here is our interview with Brad Fritch. We'll leave you with, uh, with that, and uh, um, hopefully everyone who's in our listening area who can make it heads out to the Manulife mm-hmm. out in uh, Cambridge, Ontario, not far from the beautiful city of Baden, Ontario, right, the metropolis. Right, right off the 401. <laughs> where, where Bump uh, resides. Okay. And uh, if you do see us, uh, say hello, and if you don't, uh, don't say hello, I guess. Just reach out to us on t- reach out to us on Twitter <laughs> because if you don't see us, you won't be able to say hello. That was a g- very very uh, erudite statement right there. It was. Uh, that's a good word, I erudite. Am, uh, At the end yeah, of a podcast, you throw that one out, man. That's impressive. <laughs> I am run. I'm bump. We'll talk next week. And here is Brad Fritz, who uh, is, I'm I guessing, in mourning a little bit after that uh, tough loss in Game Seven. You uh, you may be the ultimate. Senators uh, fan, but but just tell us how you're feeling about the the Sens losing out uh, in, after such a great run in the playoffs. I think a friend of mine wrote on TSN.ca this morning. He said it's like the the ultimate combination of of bittersweet, uh, you know, it's pride, but it's also just devastation. You know, it's uh, <laughs> because he got so close. Um, you know, in a seven-game series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, did I think we were going to win? Uh, not at all times, but, you know, we took game one. That was huge. Took game three. That was huge. And then you set this expectation for yourself, and then they kind of drummed us in back-to-back games. And, and then you're like, okay, it might be over. But then they, you know, really resilient in game six. And then even last night, uh, you know, scoring so close, to the time after the Penguins scored. You know, Penguins scored, we scored 20 seconds later, and then in the third period, with seven minutes left, you're like, God, we're done. And they scored about two minutes later. It's just, they're so resilient. Uh, Played with such desperation. So it's tough. It's a tough day today because, you know, like I said, it creates the expectation that you get the game seven overtime that, holy crap, we might be in the Stanley Cup final. And at various points in the season and even during the playoffs, you never thought that would be possible. Um, you're, you have a love affair that goes back, I guess, as the, as the hometown guy, and that's your hometown team. Uh, but it, it's uh, and you have a relationship with them, obviously, with uh, with wearing the logo on your shirt. But this is uh, this is a real passionate uh, love affair you have. 
It is. Um, someone asked me what my hobbies are, and then sadly, I'm like, I don't have any really. I just watch the Senators play hockey, and <laughs> that's about it. Um, but no, I've, I've gotten the opportunity over the last bunch of years to know a lot of the players, uh, even some guys in management, and, and one in particular is a really good friend of mine. So it, it's more, you know, in, yes, it is being a fan, but it's also now you know people that are close to you that they're going through this uh, playoff hockey, and, and you just kind of the emotions are, are right there with them. They're, uh, it, it's more than being a fan. It's just feel attached to the team a little bit more. And and there's a professional relationship as well. As I mentioned, you are wearing the logo on your shirt. There's uh, So they obviously love you back. Yeah, it's a great relationship. It started back uh, right when I got my tour card in 2000, at the end of 2012. And we've had, uh, we've had that relationship since then. I consider them one of my one of my biggest sponsors and one of my biggest fans. And it's always funny to, to talk to some of the players and they're, you know, I use the word loosely, but they're kind of in awe when they talk to me about golf and I'm the exact opposite. I don't want to talk about golf. I want to talk about hockey because I'm in awe of them. You know, you know, hockey players want to be golfers and golfers want to be hockey players. <laughs> There's a lot of that that goes around, I know, in the NHL and, uh, and on the PGA yeah. Tour. Uh, let's switch to the PGA Tour and just uh, give us an update on, on how you're feeling about your game. And, and uh, I know you've had a tough uh, tough road just trying to get into the tournament, but, uh, but how, how has the year been for you? Uh, if you were to give yourself a grade, what would you do? Yeah, I, I knew going into the year that if I didn't get off to a good start, then it would be tough to get events throughout the year. Uh, and, I, and I got off everything I've described as middling. I give myself a C or a C minus probably. Um, made a bunch of cuts. At one point, I made five in a row, but the finishes just aren't there. had too many that are in the 40s and 50s and 60s, so my weekend play hasn't been up to par, and I think part of it is always hanging around the cut line on Thursday and Friday, and so even going into Saturdays, even though I'm playing on weekends, I'm just so far behind, it feels like I'm playing catch-up. So, in terms of being very specific about my game, all year I've struggled with my driver. I feel like it might be coming out of that pretty soon, but I've been playing from the rough and the trees for a long part of this year. So every other part of my game seems to be pretty good. If you put me on a par three or if I happen to hit a fairway, you know, I'm making a decent number of birdies considering um, quite often I'm playing, like I said, in the rough or from the trees. How difficult is it to to pick any kind of a schedule or know when you're going to play or try to gravitate towards courses that suit your game when you're in this position? Uh, well, no, that's impossible to, uh, to pick a schedule. You just look forward to, you know, I see my name on the commitment list and it doesn't drop below 156, then great, I'm going to play that week. There's no taking weeks off on purpose. Uh, there's just I'll play as many as I can, but unfortunately in the last, Eight months I've played three. Uh, sorry, in the last eight months I've played ten PGA uh, Tour events. So it's been a it's been a tough go. Um, you know, most of it is due to my play, so I've got nothing to do but look in the mirror. But uh, I think the best way to explain it to people is when I was looking at the priority list for the team events in New Orleans, I actually broke it down where every player had a priority number, and we've never seen that before. Like. I believe uh, either Jason Day or Rory McIlroy was number one on the priority list through whatever exemption they had. I was number 211. So wow. I'm the 211th member, 
of the PGA Tour, and I'm trying to get in events that have 144 or 156 players. So bottom yeah. line is a lot of people have to say no to that event in order for me to play. Well, uh, but I guess in the, getting towards the middle of the season now, the, the opportunities will present themselves a little bit more. They're going to, yeah. Uh, I'm going to play a web event next week in Raleigh, my hometown, so that'll be uh, that'll be a good one. But then I'll do the FedEx tournament in Memphis. I'll be U.S. Open qualifying. Hopefully, get into that event. And then there's a string, including Hartford, Greenbrier, the John Deere, Reno, Canadian Open, where I, I think I should get at least four of those. So, you know, I just have to put together a really good stretch of golf like I did at the end of 2014. I fell a little bit short, but I had three or four top tens in the span of a month and a half. So I, I think I can do it. And I'm just going to work on getting that driver in play because right now that's the only thing that's holding me back. You just need to follow the follow your senators and be a, just be resilient down the stretch. Exactly. They they showed so much heart. I can learn a lot from that. Never giving up. Um, always believing. I, sometimes I have a tough time believing in myself. I'm a little too um, I don't want to say pessimistic, but you know you get a couple over early and, and you get that here we go again type mindset. And if I can turn my mindset into how they did it, which was stick to their system. I can stick to my game plan. It'll, uh, I have to believe that good things will come out on the other end.